everybody. It is college football season again. This is Hater Radio. My name is Chris McLean. My co-host, as usual, is Ian Gibson. Ian, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. Happy New Year for the college football season. Uh, coming up, uh, can you know, it's close by, but it's, I, it's one of those situations where, like, you got to crawl to the end for it. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's... Uh, it's always interesting when they have these week zero games. Cause like the week zero games um, can be something which, you know, the one year they had uh, Florida played Miami in a week zero game. And then like years were like this year where um, the only notable matchup is Northwest Northwestern versus Nebraska. And I believe that in game's Ireland. in Ireland. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, I mean, it's interesting, but at the same time, both those teams are not very good. So like how good is that game going to actually be? But um, regardless, we are back. This is the seventh season. Yes, I'm not lying. Seventh season. I started this in 2016. I started in my tiny one bedroom apartment when I had very little nickels to rub together. You know, I was literally the only thing that I had to make this podcast go was this Phil Steele magazine, the same one that I have in front of me that I've had for the last seven years and um, a SoundCloud membership and a free app on my iPad. That was it. That was the only three things that I had to do the podcast when I did it. Um, So in total, I spent like 12 bucks each year for the first like two or three years. And it probably showed, you know, like I didn't spend that much money on it and I just couldn't afford it. I wish I could have spent more money on it, but at the time I was making $15 an hour and, uh, you know, struggling, you know, it was very difficult for me to be able to afford, um, you know, to get ahead in life. And, uh, you know, uh, once I moved out to California and, um, pursued filmmaking out here and, uh, got into big time jobs, working union sets, you know, now I am able to afford stuff. You know, last year we were able to buy t-shirts, uh, uh, stickers, footballs, and, uh, a, a poster of, uh, a banner of hater radio with all our memorabilia on it. And, you know, that was a huge step. And then it was also, we got distribution. We got, uh, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Google Podcasts, we're on Spotify, we're on Stitcher, we're on everywhere. So you can find us anywhere you can find podcasts and all because of um, Pinecast distribution, pinecast.com. You know, I recommend it if you are uh, a podcaster, you know, use that. It's very inexpensive, especially if you only have uh, one podcast and you're only doing limited stuff. It's very inexpensive. It's only like 10 bucks a month, which is not bad, uh, especially to get on every format that you can do it. Um, you know, so we were able to take step forwards there. We're moving along. You know, it seems like we're getting traction. No, the more and more we've gone with this podcast, you know, it feels like this is the year. This is the year that Hater Radio will finally take off. And I'm glad because, you know, it's something that I've worked very hard on. Ian has worked very hard on. You know, we've worked on this together, you know, basically for free. You know, now I've put so much money into it. So it's like we want to see something come from it. And it's potentially can. And, you know, with you guys as listeners, whoever you are, we're thankful for every one of you. You know, it's been quite a ride. You know, it's just and it's really just getting started. I I can envision us in the next few years if we you know, what I'd like to do is do more live broadcasts from games. I will be in Gainesville as as well as Ian uh, for the USF Florida game uh, September 17th. So look for us there. Um, I will also be in uh, Texas A&M, a college station for that game against Florida as well. Ian is on the fence as of right now, so we'll see. But uh, hopefully... Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully we can probably pull that together. Um, But regardless, more live broadcasts in the next couple of years. You know, I'm hoping that we can do that almost on a regular basis, maybe even like to the point where we're doing it every once every week. 
you know, and that would be amazing if we can do something like that where we're live broadcasting from all over the Southeast or wherever big games are. Um, but uh, no, it's been great. And I've been very appreciative of what we've been able to make of this and where we're going. And, you know, um, it's uh, it's been a, it's been a great journey. And I really am excited to where it's going to end up. So let's uh, with that in mind, uh, let's talk about the socials real quick. So you can reach us at haterradio.com. You can reach us at, at hater underscore radio for both Twitter and Instagram. I'm not really on Instagram that much anymore. I kind of gave up on that. It's just not really a good format for what we're trying to do um, with the with like the links needed. Twitter is much better suited. So you can find us on Twitter and on our website. And also, uh, Ian, what are your handles? Uh, at this point, it's kind of just been my YouTube channel right now. I've my Instagram did get hacked and that was kind of my, I've been away from social media since then. Um, I still have, um, the Twitter I need to produce, but right now the only way would be through YouTube. I do have a backup Instagram. It's G double underscore Gator double underscore G. Um, there's a real middle finger to the old, you know, uh, page. Um, but that's what it's at right now. I'm sure I'll get, you know, going, I, you know, once the season starts of some more vibrant pages um, and kind of head back into the, some sp- social media spots. For sure. And then you can also find us, you can email us at uh, haterradio1 at gmail.com. So that's the way to contact us. You can find the podcast, like I said, on all formats. So the what we do as a show we are predominantly and why we were off for eight months. And what we largely do is because we talk about the games. We are not a recruiting podcast about college football. We're not about the rumors and such. We will talk about the news that affects these teams day to day for the most part, like the coaching, like carousel and just specifics on like injuries and whatever. But for the most part, what we talk about is week in week out what happens to these teams during the season. So for each show, what we do is we'll have a recap of the games that happen. And then a look ahead of the games that are going to occur intermixed in that is also going to be a look at the Heisman candidates coming up and the uh, playoff possible teams. And so we will do that every week. This week is different because obviously it's uh, the opening of the season. So it's usually just we talk about the teams that are uh, the better teams out there, the possible uh, playoff teams, um, records of specific teams. Like, for instance, this podcast largely talks about four teams. And the reason I picked these four teams is because one, I'm from Florida and two, I live in L.A. now. So one. We talk about Florida because both me and Ian have a large connection to Florida and uh, we, we will talk about them largely too. We talk about USF because I went there, Ian went there. I actually worked in the athletic department in as a compliance intern uh, more than 11 years ago. It's been a long time. But then the other two teams we talk about are UCLA and USC. And the reason I do that is because... Boom. I live out here. So I have my foot on the ground so I can hear what is going on and talk to people. And also because of the fact that it's the second largest media market and it makes sense to try to tap into that. So we have those connections there. We have the connections in Florida and those are the teams that we talk about primarily, but we largely talk about college football as a whole, especially the top 25 teams. Those are usually the ones that we talk about the most intermixed in that is also Ian loves to find the gem. You know, Ian was the first to talk about coastal Carolina. He was the first to talk about UTSA. So when you hear Ian talk about one of those teams, who knows who it is this year? I'm sure he's got one ready for me before we start. I know. You know and I, I knew you would. Um, it's we try to talk about the teams that will be the most important and have the most influence on on this, the college football as a whole. That doesn't mean teams that are like Purdue or Minnesota that are four and eight 
You know, I don't really care about those as much. They will be talked about if there's an upset because that's what naturally happens. But for the most part, we're talking about the main teams. We're talking about the Ohio States, the Georgias, the Alabamas, the Clemsons, the Michigans, the, you know, uh, um, uh, Ole Miss right now, uh, you know, uh, Oklahoma, uh, Texas to an extent, but they've kind of been sluggish Baylor last couple of years. Uh, USC will be good this year. I'm hoping. And then, uh, just all the general good teams. And we talk about that because, you know, that's what people want to hear. And it's not that I'm, you know, not looking at the rest. It just would be too much to try to talk about every single college football team when they don't even really have that much effect on like the grand scheme of like who's going into like big major bowl games and going into the playoffs. So with that being said, um, the first thing I wanted to talk to you tonight, Ian, about was, okay. So let's do, let's do a conference look around first. No, let's, let's get into this with this Florida review. That's what I want to do. Okay. Okay. So we have articles on the teams uh, that we've talked about, the USC, UCLA, Florida, and USF. So what we try to do is do season previews each year for them. And then intermix, we'll try to do as many um, uh, different ongoing topics during the year. We hit more on Florida last year. It was a tumultuous year for Florida. You know, Dan Mullen got fired and whatnot. So it was more articles about them. Um, but I envision more about USF this year, and I envision at least a couple on both USC and UCLA because they have some really big games this year, and I do want to talk about them more and try to get as many um, uh, Twitter followers uh, going forward. So let's talk about Florida first right off the bat. I'm just going to say your prediction so that we can get that out of the way with, and then we'll go from there. And then I want you to explain yourself. So I am editing Ian's article. He sent it to me. He does. Ian is the sec insider and Florida insider. And so Ian gave me his article. I didn't read it all the way through yet. All I did was really look at the, the prediction and his prediction for Florida this year is four. And eight. Yes, you did not hear wrong. That is exactly what he said and wrote. So, Ian, please now explain to the listeners why you decided on four and eight. And I want to hear it. I want to hear this. So I'll tell the same thing I've been telling everybody when I I say I think the team, if I had to go game by game, I and I went through that, I said four and eight. I want it to be known that I think this team will play better. They just won't win as many games. And what I mean by that is that this schedule is brutal. Like we have to play Texas A&M as our out of, you know, our cross conference game. That's tough. We also got to play you. Kentucky is our first game of the year. Who's number seven defending Pac-12 champions. Um, It's tough. And not only that, there's a lot of new faces um, with very little experience on both sides of the ball. Um, especially with, you know, running back, we will get a new running back this year. The wide receivers uh, will get some new faces. We think pretty good is that offensive line is pretty solid. That has the most uh, starters coming back on both sides of the ball. Um, but this is where I'm worried about is that the defense you have Ventral Miller, uh, Gravion Dexter, and that's it. That's pretty much the list of high-caliber returning stars. Everybody else is very new on a unit that was very, very lackluster last year. I shouldn't say lackluster. It was better than 2020, but that wasn't a hard hurdle to leap through. Um, overall, I just the way the schedule works out and the way I see this team, I don't know if it's going to be enough to wait with the amount of talent they have right now. I don't know if it's enough to say like fourth quarter down by 10 points, 
can they beat LSU? Can they beat A&M? Can they beat some of these teams? And I would have to be blunt faced and honest and say, no, there's not too many teams on the schedule that I look and I say for an absolute, no shadow of a doubt, Florida can win that game because it's just, you know, coming back from last season and we're having a lot of new guys now. And again, the schedule is very tough. It looks like everybody else got better while Florida, I wouldn't say got worse, but they definitely, some teams I would say jumped ahead this year. Um, I, I remember I looked, I think this is like, what was it? Three, at least from preseason, three teams we have to play that are in the top 10. I, I know Georgia, Utah, I think A&M is in the top 10 as well. Um, there's no really, after I've said after Eastern Washington, there's not really any easy games until November. And that is why I picked four and eight, not so much of how the team is, but just how brutal the schedule is going to be this year. And I totally get that. I, I, I mean, the schedule is brutal. I will totally admit that. I have a couple of counterpoints on the, all those points. Okay, so defensively, Jason Marshall and Torrance are pretty good players, and they're back. So I think uh, secondary-wise, well, we we will be better. Plus, uh, Corey Raymond, one of the all-time best uh, DB coaches, is our DB coach. So, like, those guys are all going to be better because of him. So, like, that right there – I'm excited about. Um, plus some of the younger guys. Uh, what's the young guy that's been popping up? I think his name is Moore, Devin Moore. I think that's his name. I can't remember his name. Uh the 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 corner. Um, but he's possibly getting gonna be yeah, getting something. Yeah. So he he is potential linebackers. Um I don't know. It's kind of a mixed bag. You know, everyone keeps talking about how Ventral Miller is coming back, but uh, he's kind of a, a weak spot against the pass. So it's like he can't really cover in coverage. So it's like, yeah, he's a decent run stuffer, but like, is that really going to be worth it when you're like on second and third down and they're looking to pass? I don't know. You know, I'm like, I'm thinking it's it may not be worth it to have him out there all the time. Um, cause he's a big guy, but he's not like super mobile. And, uh, you know, I, just my, my thought we'll see, maybe he'll be the reason that we are able to stop the run better. Um, I think another reason why I think that the defense will be so good will be so much better. I'll, I'll preface that so much better than last year is because, uh, one Todd Grantham was fired Two. The new guy is um, Tony. Man, he's like, I think he's like a couple years younger than me. Super smart, super intelligent, just super like uh, up to date with like how new defenses are being uh, assimilated and how they're being used to attack offenses. And I, I have a feeling that there'll be a night and day difference between what we saw last year and what we, what we will see on September 3rd against Utah. And I'm excited about that because we have had some terrible defenses the last couple of years, especially that 2020 season where, you know, like, I mean, God, if there's, if there's a halfway decent defense, that team is going to the playoff. I'm I have no doubt in my mind because they would have definitely beaten LSU. And if they had beaten LSU, it would have given them the opportunity to play Alabama for a spot in the playoff. And I think with that more motivation, they would have probably beaten Alabama. And it's just, I don't know. I just feel that the defense will be better. And that's one of the things I'm thinking for this season. And also the the counterpoint that I'll have to all of what you said, especially about the record, after Muschamp was fired and the year that McElwain took over, Muschamp, I believe, had a seven and six record or a six and six record, and they mm-hmm. won the bowl game that year. Well, going into the next year, uh, McElwain then won 10 games. McElwain is fired and they went four and seven. 
The next year, Dan Mullen came in, they went 10 and three. It is not out of the realm of possibility of the team going with a bad record the year before. And then the next year when a new coach comes in because of the talent that is there with Florida to be able to make the turnaround going from six and seven last year to this year going, I don't know. I, you know, what I put my record at for them was 10 and two. And the only reason I say that is because of the fact that if Anthony Richardson goes off the way, I think that he will, then um, uh, the team should be able to hold up that record. It's only if Anthony Richardson goes off. If not, I think they're probably like an eight and four or seven and five team, which I think, I think that is most likely like eight and four, seven and five. I don't think they're a four and eight team. I really don't. I know what you're saying with the schedule, but it's like, that would, I mean, that, that would mean they'd have to be worse than last year. And do you really think they're going to be worse than last year? Well, it's like I said, I don't think they're going to play worse. I just don't. They got bailed out in a lot of games. There were a lot of, you know, but prime example would be the, um, uh, I don't know, the whatever team that, you know, we had to score like 80 points on to win. I remember thinking, like, if we played against any other team, that's a loss right there. Like, if we played Bandy like that, we're losing that game. But we don't we have two pretty much layup games and that's usf or three usf eastern washington and vandy and that's missouri it. missouri's not good i know missouri's, missouri's not, not good, good but they've been a but the games like at said, home the games at home i'm i'm less worried about missouri at home than i am on the road cuz it's a really shitty place to play and it's like usually a noon game and it's like very like you know always a lot of bullshit going on with Missouri. But if the game is at home, I'm not worried. They're, they're going to destroy him. That Drinkowitz, he's a bum. That coach does not scare me in any way. And, um, but uh, no. Uh, okay, so the, there was one other thing that I wanted to counter with. Um, let me think back. Let me circle back. Uh, no, it's... Oh, with the offense. Okay, so what we didn't talk about. Okay, so the rushing attack was there last year and the real problem was obviously Emory Jones. And we know that, like, we know that was the factor in why we struggled so much offensively. I mean, uh, Anthony Richardson didn't help with five interceptions as well. And, you know, I think Emory had like 13. So it was like a total of 18 interceptions. It was one of the worst teams in the, in the country in interception. So obviously that's a huge stat that you have to have go your way. If you want to win a lot of ball games, the other thing with why I think this team is not far is because they went six and six, but Ian, you got to remember in almost the, almost all the games they lost, except for the South Carolina game, they, they lost by one score. They lost by one score against Missouri. They lost by one score against LSU. They lost by one score against Alabama. They lost by one score against Kentucky. I mean, literally all the games they lost were by like one score. So it's like they weren't that far off. It was just Dan Mullen had basically checked out and, uh, you know, Todd Grantham was terrible at his job. So, you know, it, Last year was last year, and it's not going to really prove what is going to happen this year. But I really think that if, you know, the transfer of, um, God, what's his name from uh, Louisiana, the running back. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, God, I can't think of his name right now. But, uh, you know, he's coming in. Uh, Johnson, I believe. Uh, I know the transfers we had were... So, uh, Ricky Purcell was one of them. Ricky Purcell, uh, the wide receiver Montreal, from Arizona. Montreal Johnson, I think, is Montreal, the other one. Yeah, Montreal Johnson. Yeah. Okay, so Montreal is coming in. He had, like, I believe 800 yards at Louisiana. It was uh, a freshman of the year for that conference. So he's going to be a solid back. You already have, uh, uh, God, blanking on his name, uh, right, uh, uh number six or was number six, uh, Naquan, Wright. Naquan, yeah. Wright, You got, um, 
Lorenzo Lingard, who's been solid in camp, and then uh, Trevor Etienne. So you have four really good running backs that really should be able to carry the load, which is great. You know, if, you know, hopefully if one proves better than the other, then they'll just ride with him. That's what they should. And I think he will. Um, wide receivers is a little less certain. There's not really like a solid slot guy. Purcell might be that guy, but Justin Shorter's back. Uh, Xavier Henderson is back. Um, Whittemore is back. Uh, you know, some solid guys, but not anything crazy. Uh, Keon Zipper is back at the tight end. Um, you know, mm-hmm. offensive line is where they really might uh stand out with uh Osiris. Um uh the transfer from louisiana he is being graded out as a a first round pick uh in the nfl draft so he's going to be really good this year um i don't know if he's playing guard or tackle i i haven't seen the practices uh saying which what he's doing i know ethan white just had a procedure today so he'll be out for a little bit and then um but uh besides that the o-line looks much better they've you know, the coaches there are much better than they were. I mean, Hevesy was, he was terrible, you know, and I'm glad he's gone. Um, I don't know. I, I'm excited for this year because they have a lot of good games, you know, being that Utah game is the first game of the year. And I, I, who knows what can happen in that first game. It's in the swamp. It's Billy Napier's first game, you know, Anthony Richardson could go off. That could be the start of his Heisman campaign. Um, it'll be exciting regardless. But anything else you want to add to this before we move on? I hope I'm wrong. Okay. All right. I hope so too, because <laughs> I don't want to see four and eight. That would that would probably kill our fan base. I'm, I'm, we've had enough four win seasons of 2017 exactly. and 2013. <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, but I, like I said, I hope I'm wrong. I will say the other thing, the only other thing I'll add in is that you've got to at least it, there needs to be a level of patience with, you know, Napier and that because yes, for sure. He, he has to re-recruit everything. Yeah. Uh, we have not had a solid recruiter since Will Muschamp. Um, yep. And I'm not saying Napier is or not. I mean, it is he, I have a top 10 class now, which is very good. Like I said, See how he coaches before anything else. 18 blue chips to two three stars. So that's really good ratio right there. Yeah. But I will say there's going to have to be a level of patience that I know the fan base is not used to. I know. I mean, I'm guilty of it. I'm like, okay, we win at the championships. But I'm like, when you know the, like, I know the gap between us and Georgia is pretty big, so it's going to take time before we can close that gap again. Yeah, for sure. I mean, but you also got to remember they're only two years removed from blowing the doors off Georgia. So, like, how far removed is that if if they were capable of blowing the doors off a team that ended up winning the championship a year later? Are they really that far off? I mean, yeah, because I, Georgia won the national championship and we lost to UCF yeah, in a bowl game. But like, like what I said though, like we they lost a lot of games by one score, so it was really down to coaching for the most part, you know. And if if he had just gone with, if he had just gone with Anthony Richardson to begin with, then maybe they Dan Mullen doesn't even get fired. Maybe they go nine and three last year, and it's completely different story. I'm glad it didn't because I'm glad Dan Mullen's gone and I'm super excited for Billy Napier because I believe in Billy Napier. I mean, honestly, I didn't know much about him until after Dan was fired. And the second I started hearing more, I mean, I guess I had heard about him, but I didn't know too much about him. I didn't know enough about Louisiana. I didn't know enough about like where Billy had come from, like what his coaching philosophy was, all this other stuff. But it's like the more I've heard about him, the more I like come to like really respect him and like really appreciate the like person who he is, because it seems like it's not just that he loves college football. It's that he loves helping these kids become men. And that's what is really important because it's like, he's not just a guy that is the CEO of 
the team. It's a guy that's actually a leader of these men and a leader that will, you know, make them decent human beings. And it feels like for the first time, it's like, I don't know. I know Will Muschamp was kind of like that. And I really appreciated that about Will, but it was like, Will wasn't a good CEO. Well, that's where the difference is. There's not only is Billy good at that, but then Billy's a really good CEO as well and knows that you need to designate to a lot of people and you need to have a good staff and you need to have, you know, a good recruiting staff and a good uh, personnel staff and all these people there uh, ready to be able to move. And now they got the facilities, you know, they moved in last week. Like it's huge. I, yep. You know, there's no excuses now for Florida. There really isn't. There's nothing holding them back from being a top five recruiting uh, class every year. And I think they'll get there. It may not be this year because they'd have to hit on like, I think like not only Kermani McLean, but like maybe even like another two or three five stars, which I don't think is going to happen. But you know, with the season going down, if they do have a really good record, you know, you could see five stars slip his way, you know, so you never know. But all right, let's move on. I'm going to do uh, U- USC, UCLA and USF really quick. So I did the um, season preview for USC and UCLA. I'll do them both kind of like in tandem. Um, no, USC, I'm really excited about them because it's like, Dude, you got Lincoln Riley coming to town. You got Caleb Williams came with him. You had uh, Jordan Addison from Pittsburgh coming in, the Bolitnikoff winner. So it's like two amazing players coming in. You have a whole host of other transfers. Both UCLA and USC, USC had both of those coming in, like a ton of them. It's so kind of amazing. So it really will help both of them because they're losing a lot on defense, both of them. I think, I think USC only has three returning defenders on on uh, starting defense. And then UCLA only has two returning uh, defenders. So, like, that's going to help both of them. Uh, but USC, really, what they're going to be known for with what Lincoln Riley is known for is offense. And same thing with UCLA. Chip Kelly is known for offense. Uh, DTR is back again. Dorian Thompson, uh, Robinson, um, and uh, Charbonneau. And, like... Is, is is am I saying that right, Charbonneau or Carboneau? We... No, the running back for UCLA. Oh, um, I, I can never pronounce his name. <laughs> I think it's Charbonneau. Okay, so Charbonneau is an amazing running back. He had a great year last year, and will be the the breadwinner again for them. It looks like he's mainly the only guy that's returning that has any carry. So um, UCLA is going to have to rely on him. But, uh, you know, USC-wise, they got Travis Dye, which I was surprised. I don't know if you realized that. Did you hear that? No, I yeah, heard so that. Like, yeah, and so, like, I'm like, that's huge for them because they needed a big time back. And I, I love his old school, like, you know, no gloves, like, you know, really uh, yeah. gritty, you know, and he's good. He can catch the ball in the backfield. He had like over 40 catches uh, last year. So expect big things out of that, out of them on offense. Uh, Lincoln Riley has put uh, three teams out of the five years he was in Oklahoma in the playoffs. So expect them to be in the playoff soon, maybe not next year, but or this year, but maybe in the next year or two. Um, but it's exciting times for USC, exciting times for UCLA. I'm going with both of them having a nine and three record. I think both of them will have really good years. Um, and I'm picking UCLA to beat USC this year. So, uh, uh, but I think I have UCLA losing more games um, in conference. So I think USC will technically win that division because they'll have less losses. So I think that's how I came out with that. And it's also because, um, what is it? I believe UCLA has uh, a non-conference. No, USC has, they're playing Notre Dame. That's what it was. So USC has a non-conference game that'll kind of hurt them, but it'll help them in the conference because they won't have as many losses. Okay. So moving on to USF really quick. I just want to talk about them. So um, they had a little bit of tumultuous last week or so because Gary Bohanan, the transfer from Baylor, uh, was named QB1. Well, then uh, Timmy McLean, who had played last year, who was the starter, 
uh, transferred and he transferred lo and behold to scumbag you motel six, you, uh, loserville, you UCF. And so Timmy McLean is now gone. And, uh, now it's Gary's team. Um, I think it's the right choice. You know, he won, I think he won 12 games in the last two years. So I would rather take a proven winner who got his team to a conference championship game. We'll see what we can do. You know, USF has a lot of returning players coming back. Plus they brought a lot of good transfers coming in a couple of four stars from different places. Aju Aju from North Carolina, some other guys, you know, so it's, it's definitely, it seems like, if this was going to be the year to prove it for Jeff Scott, this is it. So he has, he has the team. He just needs to win at least. I will say he has to win at least six games. He's got to get to bowl eligibility. I don't think there's any more leash anymore this year. This is it. Like if he doesn't get bowl eligibility, I think that's it for him. Uh, As of right now, I have the record at seven and five. I believe that they can win the Tulsa Temple and Tulane games very easily. I think they can get those games. Eastern Carolina is a winnable game, but they'll lose to Florida. They'll lose to Louisville. They'll lose to Cincinnati and they'll lose to Houston, but I have them beating UCF. So there, if they can win seven games and beat UCF, it'll be a great year for South Florida setting up for a potential fourth year that'll be hopefully through the roof and that will be and if if gary stays as well that'll be even better because then usf could really like take off and then see maybe even potentially a 10 win season so all right that's our teams now we're going to talk about who we think is going to win conference wise and maybe even some dark horses okay ian who do you think is going to win let's start with the aac first american athletic conference who do you think is going to win that one uh, at least in the AAC, it's <laughs> um, Cincinnati did lose. Um, well, you know they lost a lot of guys, um, and that. But I, I don't see any. I still say Cincinnati's the best Group of Five team. They do have other thirteen starters coming. I think it was thirteen starters coming back, and I think the schedule is very winnable for them. Uh, I'm going to go with Cincinnati. Um, I will say, you know, only for the fact that, you know, they still have talent. Um, I see the schedule as being very favorable to them. And I don't really see any team, maybe Houston and UCF, um, if they play them, um, would be the only one to knock them out. Yeah, they play UCF at home and they don't play Houston. So, if they were to play Houston, it'd be in the conference championship. Um, I will say they do have a really tough um, non-conference first game. I don't know if you saw that. They play at Arkansas, which that, that that's that's actually I'm excited about. That's probably that's probably my favorite um, game of that first week. I would think because that could be potentially the best game because the most evenly matched, you know, like those two were like as close as you could get. I hope that Arkansas doesn't blow blow them out. That would kind of suck. I'd want to see like Cincinnati kind of like contend with them a little bit, but um, uh, yeah, I am. I feel the same way. I feel Cincinnati's going to pull it out. Houston probably is right there too. And maybe even SMU a little bit, but I don't think UCF is going to be as good. Um, they, uh, they just announced uh, Plumley as their starting quarterback, and I just, I, I've never been sold on this kid. You know, he had that one amazing game yeah. against LSU where he ran all over them, but like running all over one of the worst defenses in the last wow, several so- years of a national champion is not really that much of an accomplishment. So, um, you know, it's Plumley is not a passing quarterback. You know, I've never been a believer in Gus Malzahn. He's been kind of like, you know, one year he'll be 10 and two. The next year he's, you know, six and six. And that's potentially where I see this team. I see them at like seven and six eventually. Um, Okay, so moving on, let's move on to Pac-12. Who do you have Pac-12 conference winner? What was it? Go again. Oh, uh, who do you have as a Pac-12 conference winner? 
Well, for Pac-12, <laughs> it, it really says something when I remember I was doing the preseason, I was going to do the preseason prediction. It tells you how college football is going when I look up Pac-12 and it said Pac-12 dead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I hate to, you know, say, you know, tell me something other than, you know, what history has told me, but Utah. Yeah, I think Utah is going to do it too. It just – it. They have a really good team. There's not really much that scares me in the Pac-12 as anyone else. Potentially, maybe USC. I think that's the one that's like the, like, if USC really hits, if they can, because Caleb Williams is a stud, man. And, like, I know he's going to be good this year. And so it's like if he really, like, goes off and they're scoring, like, 40 points a game, that's kind of hard to beat regardless of how good your um, your own offense is, you got to keep up with 40 points against a USC team. I don't see many teams doing it. Plus, I think that USC's defense is going to be better too. Okay, so we're both on the same train there. I would probably say the USC-Utah game might be, that might be, I get this as a conference championship. Yeah. I, I would see Oregon coming out of the other division, but I think with Utah, because they do have probably the best defense, at least, you know, the most yeah. solid defense to counter the offense, I would, mm-hmm. I'd say Utah. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, I agree with you. Um, yeah. Let me see. Yeah. That game is in the middle of the season. And I, as of right now, I'm, I've got Utah winning it. So, and it's in Utah. So I can definitely see Utah winning that. Okay. Uh, Big 12. Who do you got in Big 12? Yeah, I'm going to change the pace here. Um, I got Oklahoma State mm. uh, winning the conference championship. Oklahoma State, the offense has been solid. Um, and I, they have gotten, you know, again, they've got another tough year ahead of them. They got to, you know, play everybody in the conference. And I, and I said, you know, the Oklahoma game will probably be the decider of that. But I just like Oklahoma State the way it's going for them. I would probably say it'd be Oklahoma State and Oklahoma for the Big 12 championship. And I think Oklahoma State pulls it out. Um, I just think there's, you know, there are a lot of starters uh, that have been in that situation before. So I'm going to go with the Cowboys taking the Big 12. Yeah, I, you know... I liked Oklahoma State last year because of uh, the defensive coordinator that was there, and I think he left. I'm almost positive he left. Let me check real quick. Yeah, because now the defensive coordinator is Derek Mason, which mm-hmm. Mason is a good coordinator, but the one guy that was there, Jim Knowles, I really like him. I'm very like – because. Oklahoma State had a really good defense last year, and that was the main reason why they were so good last year. Um, I'm thinking, I'm thinking it's going to be Baylor again, because like I know Oklahoma might be good, but I don't know, man. Brent Venable has never been a coach. Like it's going to be, it's kind of weird that they hired him. I understood why they hired Lincoln Riley when they did, because it was like Bob Stoops, like could decide that, and like obviously knew how smart. Lincoln was so it made sense but like Brent Venerable's been a coordinator forever I I, it obviously he he was waiting to become the head coach of Oklahoma forever that was his goal he never wanted another job which I understand that's why he did it but I just first time head coaches I will say the same thing was said about Bob Stoops at Oklahoma that he'd been a coordinator forever and then turned out to be one of the best coaches in Midwest history no, I know. Um, yeah, I'm going to go Baylor. I'm just going to go Baylor to be different just because I like Dave Aranda. It's weird. Did you ever see – there's a photo of him, uh, I think, when they won the Big 12 championship, and he's, like, getting dunked by the uh, Gatorade bath. Yeah. And he's, like – he's, Yeah, he's, he's, no reality. Yeah, he's, he's like a standing. robot. But, I mean, like, it's kind of perfect because he's, like, so, like, calm and collected at all times that he, like, never shows emotion. So it's, like, this guy is perfect to be – in control of these kids. So it's like, I think that's why it works the way it does. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I've been impressed with Baylor. You know, they, what they want, they won two games 
in 2020 and then end up winning 12 games last year. I mean, that's a 10 game improvement. They won't see that type of improvement this year, but I can see them winning 11 games again this year. It's definitely possible. Okay. Um, Big 10. Who do you have winning Big 10? I have Ohio State over Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship, and I've said this right now. This is Ohio State. This is everybody else in the Big Ten. There's there's a gap. It's I can see some upsets maybe against Ohio State. You know they got to play Michigan. They have to go at Penn State. That's more than likely a whiteout. But when at I that's Ohio State. Yeah, I. It's just Ryan Day is is just head and shoulders above everyone else. Um, Michigan got into the playoff last year because they beat Ohio State, and then they won the Big Ten. But I don't think that's going to happen this year. You know, that was kind of a fluke. You know, they got lucky that they won that game, and then they got a really easy opponent in the championship game or in the Big Ten championship and then got smoked by Georgia. So I really think Ohio State is – you know, the real deal. And CJ Stroud is awesome. And he's going to have another great year. And Najigba and like all those guys, all those receivers they have. I mean, they've just got like, they're just, they're getting five star receivers all over the country. They all just want to go there. And all the guys that are still there, it's just the receiving core is sick. So they're definitely going to score points on people. And, you know, their defense isn't bad either. So it's like, and like, like I said, Noel's, the guy from Oklahoma state is coming there. So like, that's going to be, you're going to see not only are they going to score a ton of points, but they're going to hold like people to like, you know, 20 points or less in games. So, okay. ACC, what do you got? ACC. I have Clemson bouncing back and winning yeah. the conference over Miami in the conference championship. Okay. You don't, you don't think Pitt can uh, contend there? I want I I really want to go for Pitt, but yeah, yeah I'll take. I, I remember I said that I said it before. I was like, sure, I'll take the bait. Miami, I think, can run it this year uh, with Mario Cristobal. Yeah, I was looking at their schedule um, just because, like, it seems like a lot of Miami fans have been chirping on Twitter so much, especially after Mario Cristobal uh, decided to go to down south. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like they have a decent schedule so that they can get to a point where they're probably playing for the division. But (coughs) the reason why I think there might be an issue is because I like Pitt a lot. And the reason I like Pitt a lot is because Keaton Slovis is coming in. And I've been yep. a huge fan of his. I don't know what happened at USC. I don't really care. It went south. He went on. And now he's at Pitt. And you know what? The guy's good. And they have uh, 15 returning starters on both offense and defense. Their defense is really good. It was good the last couple of years. It's going to be good this year. And, you know, they lost Addison and they lost Pickett. But that's two players. If Slovis can pick up where Pickett left off, then he can, you know, make 30 touchdowns, 35 touchdowns. It's possible, especially if they have the same offense. And uh, we'll see. I, I I expect them to contend in the that division, and I think they will. I think it'll be Clemson and Pitt, and I think Clemson wins it. Okay, last one. Best conference for last. Obviously, we love the SEC. It's what we cover the most. We talk about it all the time. I went through and did my predictions for all the teams. And, you know, uh, largely, um, you know, I had LSU struggling. And I had Mississippi State winning eight games and, like, Ole Miss winning, like, ten games or something like that. And Arkansas winning ten games. But then, like, Texas A&M winning eight games. But then I had Auburn uh, only winning five games. But with that being said, I also had the same two at the top and the same two that will probably be in Atlanta as well. I have Georgia and Alabama 
and I have Alabama winning this time again. So that's what I have. I think Alabama is going to be great this year. I think they're going to go through everyone. They're going to have a really easy time. And I think I predict, I predicted them to lose once. I don't even know who it was. I think I had them losing to, let's see. Um, Arkansas, which I think is a potential loss for them because it's on the road. And I think Arkansas would be up for that game. But what? Uh, who's your team to beat or who, who do you think is going to win the SEC? Uh, I've got Bama because I've yeah. always said the one thing that's worse than facing Alabama is facing Alabama pissed off. Yeah. Alabama's going to be pretty pissed this year because oh, yeah. you don't, yeah, they, you know, they lost the national championship, you know, when they thought they should have won, and maybe so. Um, they were, you know, outplayed, outcoached, and now they have to prove it that last year was a fluke, not the standard. Um, and I think it's going to be, you know, Bama and Georgia again, and it's the same thing I kind of said about the Big Ten. It's it's Bama and Georgia, and then there's everybody else. I don't. Again, I might see an upset, you know, here, there, Georgia and Bama. But I don't see it. And there's been a lot of, you know, talk about AM maybe getting there, but I, I don't think they're at the level of Bama to consistently, you know, be knocking on the door against them. Um, I I just with Bama returning so many guys, it's it's scary. And I don't really see them any reason for me to believe they won't make another run for an SEC championship, which would have been Twenty twenty two, twenty twenty one, twenty. I'm trying to remember who. I'm trying to remember all the SEC champions. They LSU won in twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen. So that's one, two, three, four. Yeah, that would tie the Gators for most SEC championships in a row if they win it this year. Wait, who? Alabama. Yeah, because Bama won in twenty twenty. Yeah, twenty twenty one. And twenty twenty one. And 20, oh yeah, wait no no twenty twenty two never mind I I I thought they won three in a row. No, it's they they would be three in a row if they won this one. Yeah, um, three things no. are certain in life: death, taxes, Bama, and the SEC championship. Yeah, well, Napier <laughs> hopefully will change that soon. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's do our predictions for the the four playoff teams. Who do you think are going to be in the playoff? Um, I've got Bama, um, Utah, uh, Ohio State, and Clemson. Okay. No Georgia? No Georgia. I think the way I had it, I had Georgia losing one game and then the SEC championship. I don't, they would have to have, you know, some help to leapfrog their way in. All right, I'm doing one different, and I'm going to say not Utah, but Baylor. And that's what I'm going to say is the difference, because I just want to be different there. Just because it's like, you don't know. Like last year, we didn't know Cincinnati <laughs> was going to be in there, you know what I'm saying? Like, so sometimes there's always like the one team that's like just the difference maker that is the different between the teams that always make it. So, um, okay. Who do you think would win out of those four? We don't need to do each game, but just who do you think would be the winner out of out of year four? I would say either Bama or Ohio State. Okay. W- which one would you think? Bama. More? Bama, yeah. Okay. I'm going to say Bama as well. I just think Bama is going to be too good this year. They're just – they're on a mission. You know, Will Anderson is so good. I mean, he's going to bust through those lines every damn time and just yeah. – unless he gets hurt. Like I don't see him, I don't see him not having like 15 sacks or some shit, something crazy. Okay, last thing we want to do before we go is, oh, give me some of your dark horse teams. So the dark horse team I had, I picked, I kind of picked uh, two. Yeah, um, I I have uh, Miami of Ohio. Okay. Uh, mostly for the fact that they are returning a number of starters and they averaged, I believe it was 32 points a game last year. Oh, wow. 
and UAB. The Blazers. Yeah. Yeah, they're a team that has definitely been um, trending in the right direction for the last several years. So I I like that UAB pick. Okay. uh, Heisman team, Heisman candidates. You got any Heisman candidates that you'd like to talk about specifically? Yes. uh, I have four right now. Uh, I would say um, Travion Henderson, uh, Jackson Smith, uh, Nid. Ninjiga, you know the, the the Ohio the really good Ohio State receiver Jackson Smith and the Jigba, yeah, Nijigba, thank you, the Jigba. Um, yes, and this one who I actually think will win the Heisman, yeah, B. John Robinson, running back out of Texas, and I also think we're making a trip to New York because I was very impressed of his play last year, KJ Jefferson out of Arkansas. Hmm. So you had four, is that what you said? Those are my four. Okay. It's definitely going to change as the season goes on, but those are my yeah, three of course. The, the only other ones I mentioned, um, what I'm surprised you didn't mention, was Bryce Young, the guy that won it last year. He's come back and uh, clearly a, a favorite. Uh, CJ Stroud will definitely be a favorite. I think Caleb Williams, if things go well for them, he will definitely be up there. Uh, I mentioned Will Anderson earlier. I think Will Anderson is going to have a hell of a year, and he's going to be—he's going to make it very difficult for them to not give him the Heisman, much like the Indomitian Sue year uh, that Indomitian Sue dominated and should have been awarded that year. Um, two that are standouts in the state of Florida: Tyler Van Dyke and Anthony Richardson. I think I'm like trending more on liking Tyler Van Dyke the more I've watched and like seen things about him because it seems like I didn't know as much about them I think I kind of like trailed off on Miami when they were um you know they went seven and five so it's kind of like whatever about them but uh no they um he's definitely a solid QB and potentially could be even better so uh he had I think from October, mid-October on, he was like top 10 in like all the stats. So like he's definitely got the potential there to have a really great year. Uh, And then the last one I want to mention is Anthony Richardson. You know, if they, if the team does well, if Florida does well, Anthony Richardson will have done well as well. And I can see it because, um, you know, I'm a big proponent of, the Gator Nation football podcast, and they have been a huge fan of Anthony Richardson since the beginning. And, um, you know, I believe in those guys because um, James DiVirgilio is very smart when it comes to uh, breaking down quarterbacks. And, uh, you know, he has given high praise to Anthony Richardson all the time. And so I've been, you know, I've been shouting out Anthony Richardson's name as much as I can to people. And I believe that it'll pay off this year. So we'll see. Uh, so anything else you wanted to mention? I think that's it. I think we can wrap up. Oh, let's actually, let's talk about the three games. Okay. I have three games. I didn't, I didn't text them to you, but uh, the three games. So week zero has three games that we need to talk about Nebraska Northwestern. Who do you think is going to win Nebraska Northwestern? I have Nebraska winning this one by six points. Um, I figured we were going to talk about these, but I definitely think Nebraska will win this, but it's going to be way a bit closer. Uh, I think the spread was 13 Nebraska. I, I think, I don't think it's going to be closer than that. Okay. So you're going to say six, they're going to win by six. Yeah. They'll win by six. Uh, 26, 20, 26, 20. Okay. 26, 20. Uh, I think Northwestern's going to win it. And Scott Frost needs to win this one, but I think Northwestern's going to win it. So I'm going to say uh, 24 to 17. Um, okay. <laughs> I don't even know how to say the name of this team, but it's uh, bless you. Thank you. Uh it's the FSU opponent, Duquesne oh, uh, against FSU. Duquesne, yeah. yeah, I think it's Duquesne. 
Let me, I'm going to give my prediction. Okay. I actually almost tweeted something out the other day about it and I was like <laughs> laughing my ass off, but I didn't, I kept it in the drafts and I was like, I'm not going to send this one out because this one's too dick. Um, but uh, I think Florida State's going to lose this one. And I'm not being <laughs> like, I'm not being like, I'm an asshole. I'm being like, I know how bad this team is. I know how bad they've been. I know that, you know, they haven't recruited all as well as they probably could have. And I feel like FSU is going to lose probably, I don't know, probably 28 to 20 or something like that. That's what I'm feeling. I got it. Uh, I mean, I think it was a year ago that they beat Ohio. Um, so, you know, it's not out of the question. Um, but no, I'm still going to go FSU by basketball score. <laughs> like 50 to 20 or something? 50 to 14. <laughs> okay. Hey, I'm... I will, I'm not trying to be a dick to these guys. I'm really not. I'm just being a realist. And I'm just, you know, I I don't know. It's it, they. I will belly laugh if they lose this. If, if they do lose City, this, like Mike Norvell is literally fired the second this game is over. I have a feeling. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I, would, I wouldn't. I like it would be like literally. As the game is like winding down, like the board of trustees comes down from the uh, press box or whatever. And they're like, yeah, get out of here, brother. <laughs> like, they were it's, like literally... the same when... it's like the same thing when the wings won the cup and Scotty Bowman gave his retirement papers, like as they were like getting awarded the cup. <laughs> That's hilarious. Scotty Bowman would do something like that. Yeah. Uh, last one, Vanderbilt, Hawaii. Interesting game. Cause it's like, you know, I'm curious to see what this Vanderbilt Vanderbilt team eventually does because this guy is not a bad coach. He was a really good DC for um, Notre Dame. I want to see if eventually if he can like turn things around and build some momentum. Vanderbilt's going to give him a long leash. He's an alum. You know, he should be there for uh, yes this year. You know, he was there last year, so at least two more years. So. He has plenty of time to turn it around. Does he turn it around in this game? I I think he can. I think he can win this. I'm going to say they win uh, 27 to 24. It's going to be a close one. What do you got, Ian? Um, yeah, I'll take it. Vandy goes uh, to Honolulu and gets a win. I'm going to go Vandy 22 to 20 in a very close one. 22 to 20. Okay, cool. All right. So that is our show, folks. That's how we do it. It'll be a little different next week because we'll actually have some stuff to talk about as far as the games that happened uh, during this past weekend or this coming weekend. And then we'll have a full slate of games week one, the traditional week one with uh, Labor Day as well. So there'll be a lot of games that we'll talk about and then we'll just talk about everything in general there. Um, You can reach us at haterradio.com for all the articles that we will release for USF, for UCLA, for USC, and for Florida. They will all be coming out this week. Um, Ian has the Florida article, and then I have the other three. Um, Look for more articles throughout the year. Uh, You can reach us at hater underscore radio on Twitter and Instagram, haterradio1 at gmail.com for the email. Ian, what is your social on uh, YouTube as well? Uh, G Gator G on YouTube and then G double underscore Gator under double underscore G at uh, Instagram. Ian, thanks for coming on again. I always appreciate you having you. This looks like it's going to be a great year. I'm looking forward to seeing you in a couple weeks. Uh, yep. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week.